Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? You sound a little different. I am on location in the construction of Anoka. I am stuck and we had this appointment set up to record and I didn't want to stand you up so I'm in the car (laughs) construction is the worst they're trying to get so much done before the uh the snow flies knock on wood they are and people are finally learning how to do the zipper merge through Anoka so they're not trying to merge 15 cars at once they're actually starting to figure out that zipper thing So that's really exciting for me. You know what else is exciting? Um, I need to turn right. Hold on. Do tell. What's exciting? (laughs) Our next episode of the podcast. We've been working on getting this one out uh, all summer, basically. That's true. I was a band geek in high school. You were not. Orchestra. You, You string people. What did you play? Clarinet. I played the, the cello. Little, you still play the cello. I still play the cello. And my motto is, they can never make me stand. Because cellos play your instrument sitting down. Very important <laughs> detail. There was, oh, fun, embarrassing story. Sixth grade band concert. I was first chair clarinet. In sixth grade, the first chair was on the end And so we walked into the auditorium and we filed around and our conductor made that sit down motion. And so I sat down, but someone had miscounted chairs. So there was no chair for me to sit down on. This is where you can laugh. (laughs) I was holding it in out of politeness. (laughs) I sat down and major hit the floor tank stress goes over the head the whole works so I I managed to pull it all together and I even had a solo in the first song and I managed to pull it off thank you very much our podcast episode today with the Takach band uh, they've been playing together for 40 years they understand how things can go wrong and uh, you (laughs) just gotta work with it It was a fun conversation to overhear. It was one of those stream of consciousness conversations between people who know Columbia Heights really well and both lifelong residents. And met each other when they were in kindergarten. True. So Lotus is our president on our board and Dennis is a good friend of hers. Yeah, so they sat down and they had a really great conversation. Let's take a listen. Hello, welcome to Anoka County History Society's History 21 podcast series. My name is Lotus Hubbard, and I am a member of the Board of Directors with the Anoka County History Society, and I'm delighted to welcome to this podcast Dennis Takash, who is with the um, Takash Band. Thank you, Lotus. It's a pleasure being here today. My name is Dennis Takash, and I played in a group that played for over 40 years couple thousand weddings, bar mitzvahs, company parties, all sorts of things all over the Twin City area. 
But um, most of us grew up in Columbia Heights, and that's our hometown. And I guess John Merchant Hall is where we really played the most during our, probably out of those 2,000 plus times, we probably played over 500 times down there. Lots of weddings, lots of parties, and a lot of sweetheart stands working with the Columbia Heights Lions Club. Great times, lots of fun. And the Tkach band consisted of four Tkachas, too. And it's Barb, myself, and my brother Dan on bass, and my brother Tim on guitar. So, Dennis, what um, drew your family? What what kind of drew them into music and following, um, creating all this wonderful times? My father, Walter, and my mother, Mary, created and started a music store called B-Sharp Music, which was right across the alley from where we lived down on 41st and Van Buren. So it was right on Central Avenue. That was in the early 60s that he started that. And that really got us really involved because uh, all of the, uh, it was all music. It was instruments and uh, horns and strings and uh, clarinets, everything like concert band instruments. And then later on, it started to focus in on guitars and drums, which just started to come out because of the Beatles and the, the rock and roll of that era. So that was really a big influence. And on top of it, all of us were in band or choir. We were growing up in the elementary school at that time. We could start in uh, fourth or fifth grade. And through all of high school, and some of us actually went through college and played in college bands too. You know, and I think growing up in Columbia Heights, music was important. It was, it, you either were, could be in choir or band. I think going back to B-Sharp Music, didn't they also provide the band equipment? Yes, yes, I remember my brother getting his trumpet from B-Sharp yes, Music. We did. We provided a lot of the, uh, we were in connection with the, the, all of the local high schools, but it's specifically Columbia Heights. And at that time, it was Mr. Wilkie, Mr. Carlson. So where did um, the Takash Band first perform? Where was your where was your breakout into yeah. the music scene? It, it's kind of, there was a prequel to Takash. And, and, and basically what happened was when I was a senior in high school, uh, we used to have a mixer with the choir and the, and the band. And that was always down in Jackson, Northeast Minneapolis. So before that, I decided that what we would do is put together the band, and that band was called Progress. And uh, in that band, there were six band members because we were the ones playing all the instruments, but we weren't the great vocalists. So we had to steal one choir member, and that was Dwayne Cuss. And he was the lead vocalist, but later on, as time grew on, that all of us started to sing. In 1976, we decided that my brother Dan, Barbara, Tim, and I decided let's put together a band to play at the, or compete at the Minnesota State Fair. So 1976 in August, we uh, went in there, we uh, auditioned for it, we got into it. And just prior to that, we actually played at the Anoka County uh, Fair just to do a dry run of our, our program there. And that night we did not win, but we went and played in the State Fair. And that first night we did win the competition and went to the finals. So that's where we basically started was at the Minnesota State Fair. And during that time when we were playing in the finals, there was a group of people from Sperry Unibet. And they contacted us while we were standing by the stage and they asked if we'd want to come out and play for their, their employee appreciation day down in St. Paul Sperry Unibet. So we did. And from there on, it was, as they say, it was history because at that point in time, we started to play weddings and so forth. Late 70s, early 80s, we were playing 50, 60 times a year as a part-time band still going. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. It was just 
I remember sometimes, like in December, we played 14 jobs in December. Our intent was always to play a variety of music. We played everything from polkas and waltzes and shadows, because we grew up in, in Northeast, and that was the style of music. And then we added on the stuff from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Being a horn band, we, it was easy to pull in things like In the Mood Satin Doll, etc. During the time that we played, there was a couple of things we liked to do. Is we always spoke to the people having the wedding and asked about the music they liked, a particular song, you know, like for their openings, their first dance, or for the <laughs> father-daughter dance. And most of the times that worked out really well. Once in a while, though, we'd get in situations where um, a parent or someone in the audience didn't like the music we were playing or they wanted something else and we'd get in a little challenges on stage or off stage <laughs> i should say and sometimes we'd have to bring in a, a person that was paying us and say hey you know notice this person is harassing the band you know, please ask them to stop we've asked them to stop and and once in a while it'd, it'd get to the point where we'd say you know they they need to stop else we will stop playing you know that was really the extreme but there were other instances where, where people got a little crazy, too. Like at John Mersion Hall, we were playing a wedding, and um, someone fell down. They had a compound fracture on the dance floor. That kind of slowed things down that night. <laughs> I bet it did. So you, you kind of had to really learn how to adapt depending on the night. And You know, I think the sweetheart dances have always been fun. You, you, How many times have you come out of retirement to play one more <laughs> sweetheart dance? Well, we, I, we always talking to my wife the other night about that and we and I and I don't know how many we played probably somewhere between 15 and 20 of those over the years at least and the last probably three times that we did come out of retirement was just to play for that and uh, because they we were asked to play and uh, one it was only one time that we asked to play because we had a fundraiser for the, for one of them and that was just to help a family that was uh, struggling at that time because a person was ill in the family mm -hmm. and but it was great and it was those were always one of the most fun because not only did we love working with the lions club but it was just a matter of it was kind of like a family or a class reunion so many uncles aunts nieces mm -hmm. nephews came in and they do all the dances and they or we even did the, the margaritas and the different things on the breaks and and they dance it was just really mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just just Fun to play. And the last few dances, didn't you notice a lot of young people? I mean, like high school kids were um, joining in and they were out there dancing all night long. Yeah. And, and we found that to be very interesting because of the fact that the music we were playing at the time was really from the big band era through like the early 2000s and stuff like that. And we were adding songs to our repertoire at that time because we were pretty much retired and we would just come back and the, and the, and the, also the thing is the dances became shorter and shorter instead mm -hmm. of four hours and that stuff they were becoming three hours or so or maybe two depending on what the situation was you know and this last summer when it was the columbia heights centennial you were the inaugural um music in the park over at um houston park. park yeah, yeah we just had a great time we as a matter of fact when we did that uh, when I set that up for that evening and that, I, I wanted to, one, start the evening off with the very first song we played down at Jackson Northeast when we were in the Progress Band, and Lotus was down at that uh, that uh, that wonderful dance there. It was an old <laughs> Chicago number called Does Anyone Know What Time It Is? And it was fun to start that way. It features all the vocals and a horn solo at the beginning, a horn solo in the end, and then 
and the crowd really appreciates that and you get a lot of applause. And then that evening when we ended, I wanted to end with uh, the very first song we played at the State Fair. It was More Today Than Yesterday by The Spiral Staircase. And, and that was really a nice way to kind of end our career after all from 76 really to 2021. So it's a long time. It's 46 years. Man, I had hair when I started. I don't as much anymore. <laughs> nice five-inch part now. And... So what do you think about, you know, young kids now that are high school, junior high? Do you see opportunities for them to kind of create this kind of music and experience? I, I think you could. It it, it, it all depends on, on the style of music, right? Our band was really designed to play a wide variety of styles of music because we we knew that one as musicians we kind of got bored or tired of just playing one style. Uh, the That's what makes it so special. I mean, yeah. I think it was so much part of our growing up. Yeah. You know, the Takapash band def- was definitely there all throughout growing up. I was just chatting with Dennis on the way in. We figured out we met in kindergarten. In Miss Ilotalo, Ilotalo's class at Old Columbia, which of course isn't there anymore. But I think through art, throughout our growing up, it was music. It was choir, it was band, it was sock hops. Remember the sock hops up at Mersion? Did you play any of those at the sock hops? Uh, Not so much the sock hops. Early in our career, we did a lot of playing at both junior highs and at the high school. And we did a lot of high schools in the the early days in college uh, sorority dances and parties and things like that. I remember going like down to the University of Minnesota early in our career and, and playing down there on, and it was a TGIF party and being, we were still in high school at that time. <laughs> so we were going down there in like early the first week of September and we had no idea what to expect. We were playing in a fraternity house and it was right across the street at that time from Memorial uh, Stadium. So we thought, ah, oh, it's going to be a quiet. It's only, it's like four to seven. We're playing a four to eight. And we said, yeah, well, there wasn't going to be anyone there. <laughs> we, were, we were mistaken because this place was, this whole fraternity row and sorority row was packed with parties because it was welcome week. And it was, it was, it was just playing crazy. I mean, there were people everywhere and we had to basically use our PA systems with our music stands to block people off from running into us when we were playing. After a while, we got used to it. We just, as youngsters, I mean, my brother Dan was like 16. Of, oh, you were babes. Yeah, we were, I was an old person. I had just turned 18. You know, so it was just like, oh, it was, we weren't, we had no idea this was going on. And it's, it's amazing the types of things we would play for too, because we also played for, um, wedding shows where we'd go down to like uh, orchestra hall and you know you have the wedding fair and so forth and what would happen is we would we would be the band so we would play the music and they'd ask for a specific type of music and they so that the brides and the grooms or you know the, if people in Texas could walk out and do their walk down the aisle and back and that so that was playing down orchestra hall was really a lot of fun because the acoustics down there were fine all i remember though is that um they asked us to play a, 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 for a particular uh, walk they wanted a waltz. So we thought, oh, we'll play the traditional anniversary waltz. Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we played that. And then she stopped us and says, no, no, that's a gangster waltz. We don't want to hear that kind of music. <laughs> we were kind of just <laughs> shocked. So we had to pull out another waltz because I never thought of the anniversary waltz as being a gangster waltz. 
So that made us laugh. But we also played a lot down at that, like the Minneapolis Convention Center or River Center for these parties. And the one reason that we enjoyed that is that we would have the band play. And then in front of the band, we would have a couple of wives or people would walk or have a table in front. And we'd only play maybe one or two hours there. Uh, but what was so nice about it is the bride and the mother were there and they heard the band, they knew what they were getting and we would do specials. So on a, on a single day, we could pick up anywhere from 10 to 20 gigs that particular day. Oh my gosh, that's was, huge. Yeah, and we knew that every time we played that all it would do is it's just expanded. There's a mm -hmm. huge ripple effect. So we figured, you know, we'd pay the $100 or whatever it cost to quote unquote have a, a stand there or whatever. And they wanted us to play because they knew it would draw people in. And you know, really, the best way to experience what you want is to actually hear somebody performing. Yeah. You know, you get an idea of the personality of the band members and the kind of music. And again, what was always so fabulous about when your band played is that you could, you were attuned to the crowd. You know, you would, you know, you could see if they were having a lot of fun and you might add a couple extra lively dances in, or if you could see it was time for a break, you might slow things down or, you know, also you would invite somebody up while the rest of the band would kind of take a little break. So you, you could kind of manage yeah. the time. And, and that's really a, a, a art and a skill because it, the more you read the crowd, the more you get them involved, we thought the better it was and the night went faster. One of our key factors is, is that we always said to them, our, we are here to serve you. And one of the key things is, is volume. We don't want people to come in from out of state, all over the cities or whatever, and not be able to talk because we knew if volume got too loud, they'd go outside of the building, they'd go home early, they'd go in the back rooms, and you wouldn't get as much participation. So we always, you know, part of the deal was one, we would talk to them early in the evening often and said, is this okay? Is the volume fine? And that, and we would adjust. Many, many times when people said, we love your variety. But the other thing we loved is that we liked listening to it, but we could also talk to who we were with. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have to worry about leaving the room, missing what was happening on the yep. dance floor, or just getting out of our chairs and jumping up on the dance floor. And, and I think that that was probably one of the keys to our success, is, is uh, and also reading the crowd so we could make sure that you know you kind of were background music in some cases where people could visit or they'd be listening to the music and go oh i remember this song and, it, and even when we were playing even outside even on our last job and in june of 2021 there we were always concerned about the volumes with it was a very fun event it was it was so much fun to see so many old friends so many you know, people from high school we all went, we grew up with, and then their families or new people who had never even heard you before. Yeah. They were out there enjoying and dancing to the music. Yeah, and, then, and what was also interesting, too, is you know, we talked about how long we've been playing, and, they, and there were people from the late 70s and early 80s that we had played for their wedding that were there that <laughs> night, and they came up to us and thanked us. And, yeah, and then also, like you said, you know, if I played for them in 76 and they're playing for their children and, and 95 or 2000 and then it's kind of oh yeah i remember your wedding <laughs> i remember because i could i could remember their dance or their something like that mm -hmm. something that was unique uh, i remember playing and then there's i talked a little bit about you know people maybe getting a little crazy or harassing the band but there was always challenges too and uh 
couple of them, a couple of the stories I can think of, and they were brought to our attention was that, you know, like um, it was New Year's Eve, and we had just played a, a our dinner set. We're at the Marriott down by the airport there, and then we we're taking a break. And as we were coming back for the dance, uh, my brother Tim caught the cord on his guitar, and he snapped the neck off of his guitar. Oh no! <laughs> so just before we were going to start the major dance, so. But what we did is we got a hold of the management there, and uh, what they did is they took a huge C-clamp, probably weighed about two or three pounds, and they glued his guitar neck together, and he played the whole night with a C-clamp <laughs> on his guitar. So we have a picture of him with that C-clamp playing and bending him down to the... But we were fortunate enough that that worked out, uh, where we could fix it and we could play the night. Uh, my brother Dan who does a lot of lead singing. We had one job, we were in St. Paul, in North St. Paul, and Dan lost his voice. And the, the challenge that night was not only did he lose his voice, but we had just brought in a new lead singer because the old one had left. So Donna, who was brand new, had only known about five or six songs. Oh no. So we had to play this wedding. And what happened was is Tim and I, got next to Dan with our microphones and Dan would whisper us the words and we would sing his parts. <laughs> so for the whole night where Dan had leads, Tim, Tim and I were taking his leads that <laughs> night and they were adding the harmonies on top of that. Uh, so I remember even playing in, at Crystal VFW for a wedding and that particular night, it was a Saturday and it was a huge snowstorm came in. And some of us got there, but the guys that were pulling in the trailer, Chuck and Dan, we're stuck in Columbia Heights. So we talked to the uh, the band uh, or to the uh, bride and the groom and the groom says, don't worry about it. And they grabbed a couple of guys with their four wheel drives, drove back to Columbia Heights, brought everything in their pickup trucks or pulled the trailer here so we could unload the trailer, bring it all in, play that night. And they were kind enough to drive us back through that snowstorm. I mean, there were times where we couldn't believe that we made it to places. I mean, I remember going to places where the snow was so bad and so deep that you know, we'd have to leave for three, four hours in advance just to make sure we got there. And the people, they, they were very, very nice. I mean, we played for a lot of bar mitzvahs during a certain time. And I remember going to one in St. Paul, it was a, um, a temple near the, the state fair over there. And um, I remember when they were done, there, there was always a, treats table and on that treats table there were phenomenal homemade treats i mean strawberries the size bigger than golf balls dipped in chocolate white and, and bars and i mean fanciest uh desserts we ever saw but they just had tables full and they just said take as much as you want they, they were giving us shirt boxes to take home things. I mean, I brought home two or three shirt boxes full of treats. My <laughs> brothers and sisters did the same thing. And I remember they brought all of this stuff home from this bar mitzvah. And the next day they had uh, the local, or the Metropolitan in from the U.S. Metropolitan for the Orthodox Church. And he just said, where did you get this fabulous treats and all that stuff? And they had the fess up that they had gotten the night before from a bar mitzvah we had played for. But I mean, the, the people were always kind. They, a lot of times we got dinners, drinks. They were very kind. And we were very, very respectful. We would always uh, thank them. We never, you know, when the drinks were free and that, we, we always had a policy. One drink maybe at the most. You can have sodas if you want to. But uh, we would just uh, 
tried it because we were there to entertain, we were there to perform, we were contracted and that stuff. But, and I think one of the things that you always were having so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's true. We we did enjoy playing. And, and as you know, I talked about how we were all from, almost all of us were from Columbia Heights who we were brothers and sisters. So that was our time to be together as a family. <laughs> and that's why we had so much fun together. And then also to play the music together and to cheer each other on and to support each other. We were very fortunate because we can put the pieces together, but it's that small details. It's the people that mm-hmm. make it all happen, and they make it happier, and they make it memorable. And those are the people I always thank and, and remember because that's what makes it special mm-hmm. and, and always made me want to play more, continue to play. I mean, it, it would be fun to play again, come out of retirement, if there was a situation right. I mean, that could happen. <laughs> But again, it's it's something that just doesn't happen on a whim. I, I know if we're going to come out and play, I'm a horn player, and if I don't play, you lose your embouchure. And I have to know two to three months in advance because I would never be able to play a job. <laughs> my lips would be down <laughs> by my ankles. <laughs> and that would not sound very well in that situation. Well, when we do convince you to come out of retirement, each time it has happened, it's always been really appreciated. I really want to thank you for taking time out of your day to join us here. And now that your story and the story of the Takapash band will be here for in perpetuity on um, our History 21 podcast. Well, thank you, Lois. And I appreciate you taking the time and offering this opportunity to me to come out and just share some of that history with you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you much, Dennis. Thank you. It was so fun listening to the everything that the band got up to. And the uh, things that they had to troubleshoot along the way. This is our first episode coming out of ghost tour season. And it feels so weird not to have them anymore. You know, it feels weird to me. What? The fact that I think you're supposed to be off right now. Uh, We pre-record these things. You're supposed to be off, Sarah. Take a vacation. It's very, very difficult. Once Rebecca gets into the building and she actually manages to make her way through the construction, we are supposed to be having a very serious conversation about when I should be taking vacation. I threatened to change Sarah's password on her email one time to force her to actually not work. And the look of fear in her eyes was awful. So never threaten that people. It hurts her soul. Feel defensive. But the thing is, local history is always there for me. Even when I'm driving around town, I look out my window and say, huh, I know who used to live on that corner. And whoever is in the car with me gets bombarded with random history facts. You know what would be fun if people would do for us? What? They could set up their recorder on their phone while they're driving and just drive around and see what comes to their mind and record where they are and what they're seeing and where they're going and what memories they have of that particular area. Hands-free. Absolutely hands-free people. We're all about safety. And it's the law. Thank you for joining us on another episode of our podcast. And I am pulling into the History Center parking lot, Sarah. I can see you're, we're sharing a wall. 
That's excellent. All right, hang up, bring your stuff in. We'll start our day. Sounds good. We'll see you later, everybody. Bye. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, the Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.